Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Well, um, as we start, um, we are following in our series in the Gospel of Mark. How many people have appreciated the Gospel of Mark? Yes, hasn't it been fantastic to systematically work through the Gospel of Mark one chapter every week? Last chapter was Mark chapter 12, meaning that this week is Mark chapter what? Oh, they're switched on today, Pastor Scott. We're on Mark chapter 13, and so if you would, would you pull out your swords, please? And we're going to read Mark chapter 13, and particularly the last several verses... Let's see what Jesus has to say. And we've got some children in the house today. Where are all the young tackers? If you are 12 and under, give me a yell. Say, when you're, when you're When you're asked to not yell, you make more noise than that. Come on. All right, see, now I've just, I've created a monster now. Okay, all right, all right, all right, that's enough. That's enough, okay. Mark chapter 13. So this is a really interesting um, passage. What Jesus is doing here is he is telling about the future of things that are to come. And uh, he's, he's speaking of things that, in a, in, in a sense, happened a little bit after the time that he was speaking. But in particular, we call this... Um, an eschatological passage, which means it's about the end times, things that are to come. And we are coming close into what we're about to read just now. We won't have time to deal with the whole chapter and the whole portion, but uh, I want to focus on the last five verses or six verses. I'm going to focus on verse 32 to verse 37, but I want to get a little bit of a run-up, okay? I want to get a little bit of a run-up so we understand a bit more of the context of what Jesus is saying. I'm going to be reading from the ESV today, the English Standard Version, and I'm going to start reading from Mark 13 and verse 24. Verse 24. Are you with me? Who's with me? Oh, good. Okay. Let's just pray before we read, shall we? We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to open up this holy book, this, 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 this amazing Bible that you've um, given to us. May we May we see and hear and experience what the Spirit of God is saying to us in the present. Lord, our hearts are open. We thank you in advance, in Jesus' name. Amen. It says in verse 24 of Mark 13, But in those days after that tribulation, watch this, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. This is really incredible imagery. And then, verse 26 says, and then they will see the Son of Man, talking about Jesus, coming in clouds with great power and glory and then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of the earth think about that for a second we're going to see some things happen it's going to be amazing it's going to be incredible and people cannot deny what is going to take place 
We're going to know. And then we're going to see the Son of Man. We're going to see Jesus come. He's going to come, my friends. Did you know he's coming soon? How soon is he coming? Very soon. Jesus is coming soon. And there are going to be angels that gather us, gather God's people from all the corners of the earth to be with him. Watch the 28. From the fig tree, learn its lesson, Jesus says, and puts out its leaves. You know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. This generation, not being the generation that he's speaking to there, this generation, the generation that sees all these signs, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Verse 31, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. I love that Jesus adds that in there. So important for us to realize that his words won't pass away. They are true. They'll always be true. His word remains true. It was applicable 2,000 years ago when he spoke them. It was applicable 1,000 years ago. It was applicable in the dark ages. It's applicable even now. It'll be applicable into the future. Many people will tell you, oh no, but the world has changed and this is outdated. We've got to change and move with the times. Perhaps you might even be a Christian that thinks, well, this is, yeah, it's all contextual, Pastor. It's all about Jesus' words. It was true for then, but it's not for now. We've become a little bit more progressive. My question is, (laughs) who's done the changing? God and his word or us? I'll move along. Verse 32, but concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Important to note right now, Jesus, the Son of God, and the Father, God the Father, are one. They know all things. But at that time, we must understand, Jesus emptied emptied himself of omniscience. He emptied himself of knowing all things. And being at the seat of power, he emptied himself to be like us. And at this point, he is saying, even at this point, I I don't know when that is. The angels don't know, but only God the Father knows. And it says this, for you do not know, excuse me, verse 33, very important. I, I, I skipped over a very important verse. Be on guard, Jesus says. Keep awake. Then it says, for you don't know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you don't know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, verse 36, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Can you turn to the person next to you and with a bit of conviction say, stay awake. Stay awake. Don't fall asleep when the guy's preaching today. Stay awake. (laughs) That's a word from the Lord. But concerning that day or that hour, nobody knows Verse 33, be on guard, 
keep awake. You're going to notice in this passage from verse 32 to verse 37, this work, this word awake comes up four times. In the first occasion, it says, um, uh, keep awake. In verse 34, it says, stay awake. In verse 35, it says, stay awake. In verse 37, it says, stay awake. Okay, let's get that, let's get that again. Verse 33 says, keep awake. Verse 34 says, stay awake. Verse 35 says, stay awake. Verse 37 says, stay awake. You know, there's actually, there is a slight difference between those words. In the first occasion, there is a Greek word used called agripneo, which means to not be asleep. Don't be asleep. But the last three times, it's a bit more active. And that word is gregoreo. That word means give strict attention to, to be on watch, to be on guard, to be cautious about. So what is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying, keep on guard, keep watch. Don't be asleep, but be attentive to what's going on. I think the Lord is trying to tell us something. If he says it more than once, we've got to pay attention. He's saying just in a very short summary here, he's now charging for us, be awake, be attentive, be on guard. Matthew 25 verse 13, Jesus says, Watch therefore for you know neither the day nor the hour. I wonder if I can as well. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to read verse 1 to 6. This isn't just Jesus talking. This is Paul talking. Paul writes, now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape you. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the light, uh, excuse me, we are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. Keep awake, to be alert. Has anyone watched that movie, Home Alone? How many people like that movie? I haven't seen it for a few years. When I was a kid, I used to love watching it. And in Home Alone, there's this kid who's left home alone, and he's aware that there are thieves coming. There are thieves coming to ransack the house. He doesn't know exactly when in the night they're going to come, but he's ready for them. And he sets up all these booby traps. Oh man, it makes me laugh just thinking about it. (laughs) And he's ready. He's on watch. He doesn't know exactly the hour, but he knows the season. I see where I'm going with this. Nobody knows the hour, but we are called to be aware of the season, the times. We are living in times, my friend. All you've got to do is turn your TV on. Turn your feet on and you're going to see some weird things happening in the world. Things are going down. It's going crazy. Whether it be natural disasters, whether it be upheaval in society and cultural norms going right out the window, people 
calling things that are black white and things wrong that are right. It's crazy. Governments and politics, the whole world is losing its mind now. It's not just one nation losing its mind or a number of nations. We're all going a bit crazy. These are all indicators that we're living in some unusual times right now. We may not know the exact hour, but we know we're living in a time where the Lord is coming soon. We're called to be ready and on lookout. I was at Jake and Josie's wedding and, and we all knew roughly Josie was going to come at a certain time down the aisle. We didn't know, we knew roughly the time but we didn't know exactly when she was going to come down the aisle and there was Jake sweating bullets. Where is she? Where is she? Pretending to look cool like a cucumber but man, he was nervous. Eventually Josie came and he got even more nervous. <laughs> We're called to live like that, with an eager expectation. And so how do we stay awake in a sleepy world? How do we stay awake in a sleepy world? You know, the world that we live in is wanting for us to be asleep, don't you? The enemy is using the world to disciple us away from Christ. And I want to talk about three things that cause us to fall asleep, perhaps we could say fall asleep at the wheel. The first thing is the enemy uses distraction. The enemy also uses fearfulness and the enemy also uses complacency. I want to talk about those three things today. Distraction, fearfulness and complacency. So how do we stay awake in a sleepy world? First thing, we overcome distraction with devotion. We overcome distraction with devotion. We live in a world that is constantly trying to fight for your eyeballs. Marketing companies are looking to get your eyeballs, to get your attention. Your screen on your phone, the companies, the businesses, the social media groups, the advertisers, they want your eyeballs because they want your attention. Because if they have your attention, then they also have your heart as well. Satan is looking to get your attention because he is looking to create a distraction. And if he can create a distraction, he can pull away from your godly devotion. Think about it for a moment. How often have you just been sitting down, ready to spend some alone time with God, and all of a sudden your phone calls out to you? And you hear this... This noise coming from your phone as you're spending time with Jesus. And you hear, TikTok, TikTok, Facebook, Fakebook, <laughs> Twitter, Instapam, Instagram. I don't even know what it's called. And all of a sudden, that heart of devotion being set on God and spending time with Him, all of a sudden, I'll just have a little bit of a sneaky peek, what's going on today. Let's see what those dances are on TikTok today. I don't have the TikTok app, just so you know. I don't have the Facebook app either. But if the enemy can distract you, then he can take your attention away from God and your devotion is watered down. We are living in a time, we're living in a 
day, we're living in a season where now more than ever, we have got to be devoted to Jesus. We have got to be devoted to Jesus. Now is the time, church, to fix your eyes and fix your gaze on Christ and what he's done for you. He's too good. He's too good to look away from. Matthew 26 and verse 41, Jesus says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray. In fact, some manuscripts, um, when we're reading from Mark chapter 13, some manuscripts, you might see it in your footnotes there, where it says in verse 33, be on guard, keep awake, it also adds, and pray. There is a close correlation between being awake and praying. Jesus says in Matthew 26, we just read that, right? Stay awake and pray lest you enter into temptation. Can I submit to your friends that one key way to overcome temptation is prayer. It's prayer. If Jesus said it, then it's got to be worth something. Stay alert. Stay awake and pray. And don't just pray by way of Rattling off your shopping list. I'm talking about communion with God. Spending time with Him in His presence. Sometimes the greatest moments I have with God is when I'm saying not a word. That when I get up in the morning, and I don't want to get up because I'm so tired. One of my kids has got up and they want me to scratch her foot. Another one wants a glass of water and I'm so tired, six o'clock, my alarm goes off, I've got to drag myself, put the kettle on, drag myself over and just plonk myself on the couch and just spend some time with Jesus. And sometimes that is the greatest time in the whole, not even needing to say a word. And you know what happens when we commune with him, our heartbeat starts to synchronize with his And then what is important to him becomes important to us. And what he is thinking about and what he is seeing then gets imprinted on my heart. And so then my troubles are taken off my news feed and it's on his feed. Oh Lord, would you help us commune with you? Help us to overcome distraction with devotion. The second thing, overcome fearfulness with faithfulness. Fearfulness with faithfulness. Another means by which the enemy is looking to distract us, to dissuade us, to throw us into despair is by trying to exploit our fears. We can call that fear ploitation. Again, turn your TV on or turn your phone on and all you'll see constantly is what I call fear porn. Constantly. You ha- everything is, is, is fear, 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 stoking fear. I'm not opposed to being aware of what's going on in the world, but what I'm opposed to is becoming fearful of those things happening in the world. There are things happening over in Europe. There are things happening over in Russia. There are things happening over in Africa. There are things happening in our own schools that give me grave concern. But I cannot allow fear to rise up in my heart. Instead, I've got to replace that fearfulness with a sense of faithfulness. 
a fullness of faith in God. I've got to make a decision in my heart. And can I put to you, friends, we've got to make decisions whom we will serve, whom we will trust, whom we will listen to. Will it be Koshi on Channel 7? Or will it be Jesus from Mark 13? Whom will we listen to? Whom will we put weight upon? Whose words matter to us? Have we got any um, children in the church this morning that are good at reading? I, I, want, I want a volunteer to help me read. Can you give me that just little plaque down there that I've got there? <coughs> okay, yellow shirt. Come on, my man. You were the one with the first. Are you a good reader? All right. So listen, I'm going to tell you. What's your name? Ryan. Ryan, in my house, when you come into my house, above my doorway, as you walk in the hallway, there's this tiny little um, scripture verse that an old lady, sweet old lady, gave to me about 10 years ago. And I thought at the time, oh, geez, it's a little bit old for me. I was a lot younger back then. But I thought, I want to put that up in my house because it's a really important verse and it serves as a reminder for me every time I walk in the house. Do you want to read out what this is? What? Okay. It is, pretty, it is pretty hard to read. It's fancy writing. I should have asked if you got fancy writing. That's my fault, Ryan. Can you read fancy writing though? You want to give it a go? All right, this is fancy. I told you, it was from an old lady, so. Uh, as for me and um, my house, we will serve the Lord. Very good. What was your name? Jonas. Jonas, are you Ryan's brother? Yes. I'm going to give you both a present afterwards, okay? Well done. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So that's a reminder for me more than anyone else. I, I made a decision a long time ago. No matter what, no matter what is presented, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to do everything in my power for my household to serve the Lord too. Shall we turn, let's, let's, let's if we can, turn to Joshua chapter 24. I want to read verse 14 and 15. Is what it says. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What's he saying? He is saying to the people, <clears throat> listen, make a decision. Make a decision. I've made a decision. I want to serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. That's my decision, but you choose. It's a decision you've got to make. And so, family, here's, here the ball's now in each of our collective courts. We've got to make a decision whether we're going to live in the realm of fear or in the realm of faith. I don't want to call myself a Christian but live just like my atheist neighbor. I don't want to be that guy. 
If I call myself a servant of God and I, my faith is to Him, my commitment is to Him, my trust is in Him, I want that to be shown in and through my life every single day. And hard times will come. And we're going to walk through suffering at times. But that's okay. We will fear no evil because He is with us. So, we stay awake in a sleepy world through the first thing, overcoming distraction with devotion. Second thing, overcoming fearfulness with faithfulness. And on that second point... um, How many people in this room find it hard at times to stand up for Christ in the places that we work or we play or we study? Yeah. What if it gets harder? It's easy to shout about the praise of Jesus in a room like this because we all love Jesus. But what about out there? We were in a Week of Honour program just at one of the schools out here actually. Uh, just over a week ago, and I was talking to one of the volunteers, Beryl, and uh, Beryl's congregation. And Beryl was bragging about one of her girls named Megan. Megan is now 14 years old. She's come through the children's ministry. She's now 14. She's a teenager. She's bragging about her daughter, and this is what she was saying. She says, my daughter um, has, has, has been asked, the, the whole class is asked to write a paper on what they are very passionate about and my daughter Megan wrote a paper on um, passionate about Christians that stand up for Jesus in the midst of persecution. The teacher liked it so much that the teacher asked if she could get a copy and pass it on to other teachers in the school. This is a Christian school. Now that wasn't the remarkable thing for me. What was remarkable for me is when Beryl started telling me about the experience of Megan in her school for the last two years. Now, I spoke to Megan about this just last week to make sure I got all my facts straight. And um, Megan said this. She goes, in my school, though it's a Christian school, many students are just not Christians. And a number of the students over the last two years have actually been teasing me for being a Christian and standing up for certain things in the Bible, in a Christian school. She said to me, it's, it, it's just amazing because, this is what she says, it looks like they're drawn to what the world believes and not Christian values. A lot of my friends were even talking about me behind my back. And when I'm asking her, what things did you have to stand up for and what things have they been mocking you about? She goes, one of the things is about the homosexuality thing. Because I believe the Bible says that homosexuality is wrong and that it's a sin, which is clear. The Bible is clear on that one. Megan says, I don't believe that it's right, even amongst some of my Christian friends. And I've been, told, I've been called names even since I was in year seven been called a word that I didn't even understand at the time, homophobic. They've just been labelling me these things. I didn't know what it was. I just know I didn't felt, feel very good. And she said, but I have always been taught to stand up for what I believe in. 
she had made a decision that once she followed Christ, she believed in Christ, and she believed what he spoke about, and what's in this book is true. No matter what the opposition, she's made a decision to be faithful. Now that's a challenge for me. I don't know about you, but at what stage in our lives do we start to care so much about what other people think about us? Will I fear, in a right way, a healthy way, will I fear God more than I'll fear the opinions of people? Will I love Him more than I like you? You're in a church where offence is going to happen. In fact, where two or more are gathered, offence will take place. It is my responsibility, it is incumbent on me to speak to you in a loving way the, the truth about God, whether you like it or not. As a father with three daughters at home, I speak the truth to them in a loving way, whether they like it or not. And many times they don't like it. But many times they come back to me after and they thank me for it. We're living in a world, a cancel culture world, that at the very thought of being deeply offended, we cancel or we throw out that person. What a load of codswallop. The time is now to not care about what other people think when we're standing for God and on truth, as Pastor Scott pointed out last Sunday. Faithfulness, not fearfulness. The final point is that we overcome complacency with urgency, and this is really important. Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back soon, and we can put our heads in the sand we can ignore it, we can do other things and not live in a sense of urgency. Notice the story that Jesus gives us here, it says, it's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, he, he, leave, he puts the house, he hands the house over, he puts his servants in charge, each with his work, so there's work to do, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. So we see three things from just this very passage. There is a house. Um, he also has work to do, but there's also authority given. Do you know that God has entrusted us, in a sense, with a house? We have been given authority, and we have something to do. We have work to do. Jesus is coming back really soon, and we have a job to do, and we've been authorized to do it. It's so important for us, and we've got to live in a sense of urgency and not complacency because he will come back like a thief in the night when we don't know exactly when and we're called to be ready on watch, on lookout, prayerful, faithful and with a sense of expectation. Because if we live in a sense of expectation, oh, I'm longing for him to come back, Jesus, come back. I know you're coming back soon. The Spirit and the Bride together say, Come, Lord Jesus, come. If in my heart and if in our hearts we are living in a state, Lord Jesus, come back, you're coming back soon, that changes how I live and that shifts my priorities. If I think, oh yeah, he'll come back in 10 or 20 years' time, I've got plenty to do. I'll, go, I'll, go, I'll buy another car or two, I'll buy another house or two, I'll set, I'll set up for, for retirement. And what we, that, That's not a given. Nowhere in the Bible are we compelled to live that way. Do we plan? Absolutely plan. 
Do we organize? Yeah, absolutely organize. But live more importantly with a sense of urgency, not complacency. With a sense of expectation, not of apathy. He's coming back soon. So my prayer for us, church, is to stay awake in a world full of spiritual narcotics. The enemy is trying for us to sleep, to be blind to the reality of what's going on around us. And the window is closing. Our opportunity to win the lost is closing. The reason why Christ is not back, he's delaying it, you know that, because he, he, he wants people to come to know him. He's delaying his return because there are many lost people in our world and he doesn't want distress. He's waiting for us to get out there and do it. To serve, to love, to save in his name. And he's commissioning every single one of us to do it. Would you stand with me, please? If you're comfortable, we'll just raise your hands toward heaven. What we're going to do is we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and move in our hearts and to stir in us again a sense of urgency, of expectation, an eager longing because the earth is groaning. Romans tells us this. The earth is groaning, longing for His return. But we, the church, too, can join in with that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you in the precious, powerful name of Jesus. Teach us, Lord, to overcome distraction with devotion. Teach us to overcome complacency with urgency. And Lord, help us to not be fearful, but faithful. I ask now sovereignly that your Holy Spirit would stir in our hearts, that where there is fear in our hearts, apathy in our hearts, complacency in our hearts, where there is distraction in our hearts, Lord, that your Spirit would come and lead us into repentance, to give it to you. And that we would live free, liberal, courageous lives. That no matter what, as soon as we leave the four walls of this room, of this building, we would go out with a sense of faith, of eagerness, of expectation. In Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, for your grace in this season. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to put the invitation out as we always do. And the invitation is this. Will you say yes to Jesus today, this morning? Will you give him your life? Will you give him your all, not just your least or your last or your leftovers? Will you give Jesus your everything? Will you stop playing games with him? Will you receive forgiveness? Will you receive eternal life? If you're here and you say, Josh, that's me. I, I need to get my life right with Jesus. 
I don't want to play church anymore. I don't want to muck around anymore. I've been sleeping for too long. It's time to wake up. If that's you and you say, Josh, that's me, would you pray for me? Would you put your hand up, please? I would love to stand with you and pray for you in Jesus' name. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you. Is there anyone else who say, Josh, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need forgiveness of sins. I need eternal life. I can't do it without Him. I need Christ to give Him my all. Is there anyone else this morning that will say yes, like these two ladies have said yes? Just give me a bit of a wave, would you? And I would love to pray for you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. As we pray together, let's let's attach our hearts to Him right now. Father, for these two ladies that have just indicated they want to follow you and put you first, I pray that you would seal the good work that you've begun in them. And Lord, in this season, I pray for courage, for faith to rise and boldness to rise, for courage in their lives. I thank you for the forgiveness of sin. I thank you for eternal life and adoption into your family. We thank you, Father, for these two. And Lord, should there be anyone else this morning and you're working on our hearts, I thank you that you will move people from grace to grace. And Lord, we pray and thank you for a church to arise, to have a strong, steely backbone that we can speak the truth in love to see your kingdom come as we minister with your hands and your feet and your heart as well. And all of God's people said, Amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.